0: Hey, everybody. This is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. It is May 22nd, and last night, Atlanta United fought to a 2-2 draw at Nashville here at Geodis Park uh, through a 2-hour and 52-minute lightning delay. Atlanta United scored a late goal by Dom Dwyer in the 88th minute to secure a valuable road point. It was a performance that it was like many others for the team this year. It gave up two goals that you would probably consider to be relatively soft. The first by C.J. Sapong, the second by Hanny Mukhtar. Tiago Almada scored in the 26th minute. That was two minutes after Sapong's first goal. And then there was a lot of nothing until Dom Dwyer scored in the 88th minute off an assist from Almada to Brooks Lennon to Dwyer. Atlanta United improves to 1-4-1 on the road this year and got a little slight measure of revenge against Nashville, which of course scored late in the U.S. Open Cup last week to draw that game before winning it in extra time. Let's go through some of the numbers, but first I want to remind you, you can find me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC, and on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. Atlanta United had more of the possession at 55.7%. They had the better expected goals total at 1.9. They had more shots, 14-13. Nashville had more shots on target, 5-4. to 4. Nashville had more shots inside the box 10 to 8. Atlanta United had more passes 454 to 346. Nashville had more passes in the final third 117 to 110. Atlanta United will next play Columbus on Saturday at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. So, it was a it was an interesting game, it was a weird game, but in many ways, as I said before, it was a familiar game because of the mistakes made by Atlanta United's defense at key times that allowed the two goals. Still, they got the valuable point. They scored in the 88th minute. So Gonzalo Pineda was asked by me if this was a draw to build on.
1: Yes, I think it's very positive. I mean, even though it was a tough game, you know, all the delays, all the issues, you know, the, the, what happened with Andrew. We had to stop him at halftime. You to I think that kick that he received and no call, no, no, no foul. Um, and and I think that this adjusts, on adjust the, the, the shape of the team. But I think the fight, the competitive mentality, I think we were uh, a little bit unorganized at times, but with the right mentality, with the right attitude to come back into the game. And I think it was a reward for the players' uh, um, heart and passion to come back in a tough game, very difficult game.
0: Of course, any game that's delayed by lightning for almost three hours had to ask Pineda if the delay affected anything.
1: I think it certainly affects. I mean, I cannot tell you that more on us than them, I think it was the same. So in that sense, it's not an excuse for anything. I think it's just uh, part of the adversity sometimes you have to face. But the good part is it was even, it was for both sides. So uh, it was certainly an issue, but I think it didn't affect the result of the game.
0: And Pineda was asked if the goals were self-inflicted.
1: Yeah, I think we've been struggling with that. Uh, we know that we need to adjust that. Again, I feel like like it's not uh, from from moments where we are organized. Mm-hmm. I think it's more moments where we are not that organized and a little bit of wall watching inside the box that we've been talking a lot about that urgency, especially inside the boxes uh, on both ends. Uh, but I mean, a good way to come back to that is obviously clean clean up those soft goals that we've been giving up. But another good way is just attack more and just mm-hmm. continue with the attack because every time Thiago is on the ball in the attacking half, Marcelino, Luis, we look dangerous. We look with some some sense of danger in the opposing goal. So we just need to attack more than what we defend, and when we defend, we lead, obviously we need to be a bit more solid.
0: So let's go through the goals real quick. On the first goal was the result of Mateus Huzetu, who had a good game, kind of turning and hitting a blind pass that was intercepted. The pass, it was right before the midfield line. Nashville then played the ball right down the field to Hanny Mukhtar near the top of the penalty box in the space that Roseto or Abara should have been, but the play happened so fast, neither were there. Alan Franco tried to keep C.J. Sapong on line, or, uh, offside, but that unfortunately affected a or influenced a crossing path for Mukhtar, who just played the ball across the box, to C.J. Sapong for an easy goal. Atlanta United almost immediately tied it a couple of minutes later. Ronaldo Cisneros forced Joe Willis into a bad pass that Marino intercepted right near the top of the penalty box. He played it across to Almada to one time to tie the game. Then Nashville comes back. No one pressured a Nashville player on the ball, about 35 yards from goal on the right. Arujo and Marino were both within five yards and neither moved to the player, so he had time and space to hit a pass to the back post. C.J. Sapong headed it back across the goal to Hany Mukhtar, who was wide open for a header in it was a uh, pretty easy stuff a um, lot of mistakes on that goal but it, these are those moments that Atlanta United keeps doing over and over and over again and it keeps costing them points um, it's not a tall team I can't tell you how many aerial duels Atlanta United lost last night um, it was a lot Nashville is a big tall team so they're expected to win some of those but a lot of the times Atlanta United players say it's just about desire and it's about want to I don't know how that translates into being three, four inches shorter than your opponent. But Nashville just kept hitting that cross to the back post all game for that knockdown for somebody to run onto or to hit it back across the goal. And it it finally worked. And that's just how it is with Atlanta United right now. This is Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice. All right, we're back. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has a special offer for Atlanta United supporters and listeners to this podcast. If you subscribe today, you will not only get digital access to the AJC and the Sunday paper for $2.30 a week, but you're also throwing in a special limited edition Atlanta United and Atlanta Journal-Constitution scarf. So sign up now at subscribe.ajc.com utdscarf. That's subscribe.ajc.com utdscarf. And on to your questions. Adam says... He had to rely on the radio since he doesn't get FS2. The game switched from Fox to FS2 after the long delay. He said, uh, "Conti and Longshore made it sound like Sapong and Nunga were getting away with murder, but they got apoplectic when the ref blew for full time when Atlanta had a chance to attack. So this is at the end of the game. Atlanta looked like it had a counterattack in the final seconds, but referee Ted Uncle blew the game dead. I asked Pineda about that. He said that Uncle had already told him that he'd already blown the whistle, but nobody heard it, so he just kept blowing it. Atlanta's players were quite angry because they thought they could go down and get a winning goal. Um, what is the official guidance for MLS refs to regarding when to consider it an appropriate time to end half? I guess when the time is up, and Uncle felt the time was up. It seemed a little odd, but there you go. Adam continues, out of 12 league matches so far, Atlanta has had only two that were not a draw or decided by one goal. What's Pineda's narrative to keep the team seeing that glass is half full instead of half, half empty? Well, he's a pretty positive guy, and so he wants to keep building on what the team does well. You heard him in the soundbite earlier talking about our best defense is to keep attacking. So I think that's what they're going to keep trying to do, keep the ball, keep moving it, keep trying to attack, and see what happens. I don't know what the answer is otherwise because the defense right now, with so many injuries, is has got some problems, and there may have been another injury last night to Andrew Gutman. Uh, we're hoping to find out some more about that tomorrow. On to Ben. Uh, who got to bring his daughter to a game, I think it was, last week. So that's cool. I understand Pineda's emphasis on consistency, but the team's defensive talent is just not good enough for this level. And for the looks of Gutman's injury, they will have to roll out another lineup next week. This was only the second time this season that Pineda has been able to use the same lineup in consecutive games. Do you think the front office will prioritize a keeper or center back in the next transfer window? Or maybe see what Rocco has to offer? I hope you enjoy some coffee before the long trip back tomorrow. Well, thanks, Ben. Yeah, I think they're going to have to make some sort of move. I think they do need to add as a center back. Um, I don't know if they're going to add another goalie. It's just going to depend. I mean, it's hard to find good goalkeepers. And, you know, Shuttleworth is a veteran. I don't think he should be blamed for either goal last night. Rocco Rios Novos is just – he's unknown. And you don't want to put him in a situation where he's going to fail, especially when the defense ahead of him is very shaky right now. So I don't really know what the solution is. Allen says, I have never known a referee to end a game in the middle of an attack. He should have waited for the attack to be stopped or scored. But it's nice to get a point on the road. Well, yeah, you can't change it now. It was a little bit weird, but I've seen it before. Nick says, I don't really understand why fans were upset at the ref in the final 10 minutes of the game. Maybe I missed something from where I was sitting in the stadium. Also, I think we played well despite losing... Despite the scoreline being catastrophic, errors to Atlanta United. too. Am I wrong? No, it's not that. It's not that you're wrong. Atlanta United did play well for long stretches. It's just those few seconds where they're disorganized on defense and they just get punished time after time after time. It's a weird, weird, almost karmic kind of thing that they're dealing with right now. You know, they don't have Robinson. They've lost Guzan. It's uh but there shouldn't this shouldn't keep happening game after game, but it does. Mike says, I love your podcast. Huge Atlanta United fan. I'm retiring in a few years, and one plan is to follow the team for a year. That'll be cool. Are there any suggestions of what to know if you want to travel with the team? Well, if I were you, I would wait and try to do the year where typically Atlanta United will hit all three of the northwest cities in the same year uh portland seattle vancouver to me those are three of the most fun cities to go to so i would do that the la trips don't really interest me very much we haven't got to go to austin yet but that's going to be fun um i just wouldn't jump at the first schedule that comes out i would try to plan it where you're really hitting some of the cool places uh with nashville going back to the eastern conference next year that's going to be on the calendar every year i love coming to this city fantastic city um So that should be fun. Um, But that's what I would do if I were you. You know, try to plan ahead, get a few days in each city, really take advantage of Marriott points or Airbnb, however you want to do it, so that you can try to save money on meals. Um, But it's going to be a fun time, and I think that's fantastic. And if you reach out to some of the teams and tell them what you're doing, they may be able to help you out with something. I don't know what, but anyway, it should be fun. Uh, and I want to give a big thanks to Sanford on Twitter for sharing some fantastic places to eat in Nashville. Huge help. Very kind of him hit the barbecue. That was a lot of fun. Uh, so thank you very much. Dr. Fallis friends of the uh, Dr. Fallis friend of the podcast says Alan Franco had a slow start last year. Finished the year. Very strong. This year, his slow start is back and it's lingering. How come we need an intimidator type of center back, a bruiser, of vocal force. We haven't had that since LGP left. I agree with you on that. Franco, I don't want to blame him for either goals. I think he probably could have done better on that first goal, but at the same time, it was a very quick play. He didn't have a lot of time to react. He was trying to do what he thought was best. He was, again, kind of caught in no man's land between the guy with the ball and the guy at the back post. You know, I don't know what he's taught to do in those situations. Um, so I don't want to blame Franco for either of the goals. Um, there was a whole lot of ball watching by a whole lot of guys on the second goal, not just Franco. Christian says, it was great getting to meet you at the bins last week. Well, thanks, Christian. It was nice meeting you too, buddy. It was a late one, but I'm happy for the points. With Gutman potentially going down and other injuries we have already sustained, what reinforcements should Boca prioritize next window? I think a lot of it depends upon if Caleb Wiley is going to come in and be healthy. If he can come back next week, then they could save Gutman because they're going to have a two-week break. They still have Ambrose. I know he's not ideal for a lot of y'all, but he can pitch in, too. So I don't think left back is going to be it. I think they've got to find another center back. Um, That's got to be the first priority. The rest of the lineup, I think they're going to be okay. Um, And they also have Brooks Lennon can play on the left with Ronald Hernandez on the right. So there's options there, too. They don't have to make a move if they don't want to, but I think they probably will. Coffee sip. If the current group gets some consistent time together and the injuries hold off, what do you think is their ceiling for the rest of the season? Playoffs, playoff home game, deep playoff run. Thank you for all of your great coverage. I hope you get home safely. So they, I, I keep saying this team has a potential to, to win MLS Cup, but it's not going to do it if it keeps committing these silly errors uh, on defense. Right now, Atlanta United is in seventh in the east. That is the final playoff spot. It has 16 points it only trails Philadelphia by five points. That's an easily made up gap over the course of a season. The problem for Atlanta United is behind it all the way down to 13th place. Or if we want to go to 14th place, because five points separate Chicago, which is dead last with 11 points to Atlanta United with 16 points. So if I'm going to say five points can be made up from the middle of the table to the top, I got to say that five points can be made up from the bottom of the table to seventh. Um, Atlanta United just has got to get some consistency on defense. I don't know who that would be. Um, I don't see the team trying to get a Gior- Giorgio Ch- Cellini. Sorry, I can't talk today. Cellini type that LAFC or the Galaxy, whoever it is, is reportedly going to target the Italian legend and Juventus legend. Um, I don't see that happening. That's not their mode. Um, but there you go. All right, that's going to wrap up the Southern Fried Soccer podcast. I am going to watch Liverpool, hopefully keep its quadruple hopes alive here in just a few minutes in my hotel room before I drive back to Carrollton. Um, I want to thank everyone for reaching out again uh, with suggestions on where to eat, saying hello to me as we walk around uh, Nashville, saying hello to me at the game yesterday. Um, you know, this, I, I've been going through a tough spell, but I can kind of see the finish line. And I just want to thank all of you for for your support. Um it means a lot, and I'm trying to pay it forward. This is Southern Fried Soccer. Hug your loved ones. Y'all take care. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluesteak, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nigut, are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, yeah. lifestyle columnist. Atlanta's thriving arts scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com
1: slash ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.